you remember when you were growing up and at school? Um, remember when they were picking teams to play a certain game or maybe picking teams for something else? Um, sometimes you were the first pick and sometimes you were the last pick. Um, but you wanted to just play and have fun, but the choices mattered, didn't it? You, know, you Really, you wanted to get picked first or at least somewhere in the middle and not get picked last. And you wanted to be a part of the team that was going to win. Um, it's interesting as we look at the history of Israel, uh, there came a time in their life during their history where there were different kings that were chosen. Um, and in one particular story, King Saul um, was not following uh, the Lord. And because of that, the Lord was displeased in him and decided to anoint another king. And in the story, he called his prophet Samuel to go to the house of Jesse. And he uh, went to the house of Jesse, and he met with Jesse and asked him to begin to see his boys. He had seven boys, and so actually eight. And so he began with the oldest, and um, as Samuel saw him, um, he was sure that he was going to be the next king of Israel. But the Lord said to him, he's not the one. In fact, he gave him direction as he went to Jesse's house. Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, for the Lord does not see as mortals see. They look on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. So he began with Eliab, the eldest, and the Lord said, no, that's not the one. Adinamab, um, and again, Samuel looked at him, and the Lord said, no, he's not the one. Then Shammah came out, some number three. And the Lord said, no, that's not the one. And he actually went through all seven sons that were in the house. And none of them were the ones that the Lord was calling to be anointed king of Israel. And so Samuel asked, Jesse, do you have any other sons? He goes, oh, yeah, I have another son <laughs> who's out in the field taking care of the sheep. His name's David. And um, he was ready with a fine appearance and handsome features and as David came into the house there, the Lord immediately spoke to Samuel, the prophet, and said to him, this is the one. Anoint him as the future king of Israel. And it says in the story that as Samuel did that and anointed David with a flask of oil, that the spirit of the Lord came upon him and was with him mightily for his days. David was everyone's last choice. But he was God's only choice. He wasn't even in the house when Samuel came. Samuel had no idea about David. He didn't even know David existed. But what he did know is that every son of Jesse that was in the house that he saw was not the anointed of God to be king of Israel because God made that clear to him. And so it's important for us to remember that, that someone or something that might be our last choice might be God's only choice and first choice. As we read about the story of David, he went before the army of Israel eventually and he slays Goliath. With the army of Israel, uh, David defeats tens of thousands of Israel's enemies. In fact, they write songs about him that infuriate King Saul. 
You remember the, the songs, uh, Saul has killed his thousands, but David has killed tens of thousands. And just, this just infuriates King Saul, who ends up becoming jealous of David. And David has to run and go into the wilderness to uh, protect his life. And God protects David from the jealous hand of Saul until David officially becomes king. And so again, we see unfolding in the life of David this theme that God protects and preserves and blesses his choice. Whatever anybody else thinks, whatever anybody else feels, whatever anybody else desires, isn't it an amazing thought in this moment to realize that God has a choice? <laughs> we think God's all about our prayer list. God, I'd like you to do this, and I'd like you to do that. And this would be nice as well. Amen. I'll see you in a couple of days. Right? We think God is all about our prayer list and serving exactly what it is we want and desire. But let me submit to you that there are very few Christians who have considered the reality that God has desires, that God has a will, and God has a choice about things and about people and about places. And again, as Samuel was in this house with Jesse, and all of these good-looking guys were going by, and Samuel was thinking to himself, this has got to be the one, starting with the firstborn. This is the guy. No. The next guy. No. All the way through seven sons until he came to David. And so my question for you and me here today in the reality of the life we're living right now is a very simple question. And it's a question I believe that most Christians haven't even considered. And it is this. What has God chosen for you? Have you thought about that? You don't need to raise your hand, but I'm just asking you this question. What has God chosen for you? Well, Father Joe, it's interesting you should mention that. I've never really thought about that before. I've actually never really even prayed about that before. It's never even crossed uh, across my radar screen. I've never even considered that possibility. Well, I ask you today, what has God chosen for you? Because God does have a desire for you. God does have a dream for you. God does have a destiny for you. And it's just as important as King David's life was. Every believer's life is incredibly important to God. And there are lives and there are situations and there are experiences that are unique for you that nobody else will have. There are people that God will use you to touch that I will never even know. Or anybody else in this sanctuary will never ever know. And yet God has it for you to touch them and to reach them. God has chosen you for certain things and to be about certain things. And so again, this is actually 
more, more important than your prayer list. I'm not against your prayers or my prayers. I'm not against us lifting up things to God that are part of our life and important. But one of the most important questions that you and I can ever ask is, God, what do you want me to do? <laughs> Imagine that question. What is your choice for my life? Now, again, some of you are saying to yourself, well, Father Joe, I'm a little bit late to that question. I only got maybe a few more years upon this planet. And I have to admit, I haven't really asked that question before. It's kind of late in the game for me to ask that question. It's never too late for that question. In this moment, in this hour, what has God chosen for you? Because you see, the reality is that God had chosen David to be the future king of Israel. God knew exactly who he had chosen before Samuel even got to that house. And the reality was, was that God was not going to anoint anybody else except David to be the future king of Israel because that was who God chose to be the future king of Israel. That was who he was going to put his anointing upon to fulfill that role. So just know this, in case you're looking over your shoulder or you're thinking about someone else who could do this better than you could or it's something that you really don't want to do, God chooses you to do something because he does. It's God's choice. And you're not going to take that away from him. And let me just share from experience. Again, this will save you a lot of time. Just like you, I have a lot of great ideas about what God can do. I mean, I have really great ideas. I have great ideas about my future, my present. I have great ideas about this and that. I have all kinds of great ideas about what God can do. And sometimes God even listens to some of my ideas. But there are times where God makes it very clear to me in my prayer and in the reality of the unfolding of my life that the unequivocal answer from God about what I think is a great idea is a resounding no. No, no, no. 20 years later, it's still no. Because God has a choice. And God has a call in your life that he is not going to change. You can fight against it. You can push against it. You can go the other way just like Jonah. And guess what? Again, I'm going to save you a little bit of time here. When you go the opposite direction of what God is calling you to do, guess who's waiting for you on the other side? It's God. <laughs> said, hey, you had a nice run there. <laughs> you have more energy than I thought you did. Now, let's go back to what I was talking to you about before you ran in the other direction. How is God's Spirit moving you in this hour? What is God speaking to you? 
And especially, how, what is God speaking to you that you don't want to hear? You know, when I shared that message with you about last week about our God being a consuming fire, I honestly, I didn't really want to share that with you. I mean, who wants to hear that message? Right? But that was a very important message because it's true. Our God is a consuming fire, and it's exactly what God is doing in this hour in his church and in this world. That is part of God's choice in this moment for your life and my life. And it's important that we be open to how the Spirit is moving in this hour, because guess what? Whether you like it or not, it's going down. I'm just here to tell you the truth. I'm just the messenger who's going through the same thing you are. (laughs) How is God's Spirit moving you in this hour? In the 11th century, King Henry III of Bavaria grew tired of court life and the pressures of being a monarch. He made application to Prior Richard at a local monastery, asking to be accepted as a contemplative and to spend the rest of his life in the monastery. Your majesty, said Prior Richard, do you understand that the pledge here is one of obedience? That will be hard because you have been a king. I understand, said Hendry. The rest of my life I will be obedient to you as Christ leads you. Then I will tell you what to do, said Prior Richard. Go back to your throne (laughs) and serve faithfully in the place where God has put you. Hello. When King Henry died, a statement was written, the king learned to rule by being obedient. When we tire of our roles and responsibilities, it helps to remember God has planted us in a certain place and told us to be a good accountant or teacher or mother or father or whatever it is God has called you to do, what he's chosen for you. Christ expects expects us to be faithful where he puts us, and when he returns, we'll rule together with him. Beloved, I want to invite you over this coming week along with me to not only continue to invite the consuming fire of God into your life, to consume all that is dark, to consume all that is sinful, to consume all that is not of him, and to root us more firmly in him, and for our world as well to do the same, to continue to pray into that prayer, because that is the prayer of this hour. But to add to that prayer, I invite you to pray along with me. God, what do you choose for me in this hour? What is it that you want from me? What requires my obedience of you? Whether I want to do it or whether I don't, you have a choice for me. You have a choice for me.